writers, agents, and publishers, for the first time since the Gutenberg Press, find themselves lost in a maze of mystery as technology alters the shape of the publishing industry. Searching for Answers is a group of writers throwing pop culture, writing, and publishing into a crucible of clarity, passion, and humor. This group is the right pack. Welcome to Right Pack Radio. This is David Allen Lucas, your host, author of Mystery, Science Fiction, Horror, and Poetry. And today, the Right Pack is going to talk about writing cyborgs versus robots versus androids. And with me today is... Kathleen Kayembe. I am officially going to be the co-host today. Um, I write GLBT romance under the pen name Kaseka and Vita, and I think magic is awesome. And I'm T.W. Finley. I'm a historical fantasy and science fiction author and the author of the Zero Time Chronicles, which give you time travel, mystery, mythology, you name it, archaeology, all those ologies. <laughs> I'm Brad R. Cook, uh, author and publisher. Uh, Blank Slate Press is the uh, publishing house. We are open to submissions, so if you've got something literary out there, check it out. I am the author of Steampunk, uh, which is Victorian fantasy, I guess, historical yeah. fantasy. And uh, my novel, The Iron Horseman, will be out in November. I'm Jennifer Stolzer. I write YA fantasy and adult fantasy. I am also an illustrator. I illustrate children's books and anything else. I'm Melanie Colaney. Um I write uh, nonfiction, science fiction, and fantasy. And I don't think I've ever actually written uh, an android, but I'm sure I've written robots in at least some of my sci-fi books. <laughs> and there is a difference between them. With the various fictions, as we have been observing coming out, of course you've got Almost Human, that is a science fiction cop drama with an android. You had Battlestar Galactica that had androids and robots. You had Star Trek Next Generation with an android. You have other shows and other books that are that have got robots or androids or cyborgs at the very heart. Of course, I almost forgot RoboCop. <laughs> the very first book I ever read was um, called The Runaway Robot. Not the very first book I ever read. The very first science fiction book I ever read was called Runaway Robot. The first book was uh, Runaway Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but Runaway Robot, and it always stuck with me. And the character, which was a robot, always stuck with me. But what is the difference? And how hard is it to write about these three different types of machines, especially in the standard format of man versus machine or man versus man and machine trying to save man? Well, I've got a definition. What is the definition of a difference? I can read it to you off of Yahoo of all places. But it's a robot is an autonomous, non-biological entity. And its form has no bearing on its designation as a robot, so it could be most of I guess, I suppose, maybe. Yeah. How do um, you talk about Cylons <laughs> that way? Mm-hmm. And uh, Android is a humanoid robot, so there we go. See, not a toaster. Not so a toaster. all androids are robots by this definition. I by don't this, like that by this one. And we can. And then a cyborg is an entity that combines artificial and biological components. So, Jennifer. Uh, I don't like that definition, specifically robots versus androids. I always assumed that a robot was something that was programmed from an outside source and given instruction from an outside source, and an android was a self-determining oh. 
creature. So it's so a you, robot. Whether or not it's shaped like a man or not doesn't matter. But if it has a sentience to it, therefore it's an android. Like R2-D2 is an android because it has its own thoughts and makes its own decisions and situations and doesn't necessarily need constant human input, even though it's shaped like a trash can. So couple of issues here. I don't agree with that, but first off, does that mean you would uh, describe the Mars rover as an android? No, because it was programmed from an outside source. Okay, but then would you consider an... Does the Mars... Now, the... If the Mars Rover's Twitter account was actually coming from the Mars Rover, <laughs> then yes, he would be an android. See, I completely disagree with that because I think the form is important. I wouldn't. Cons- I would consider C three PO an android, but not R two D two. I think it's the form that makes the difference, and also the, um, for example, smart, a sentient computer that had no moving parts outside of itself whatsoever. I definitely would not consider that an android. No, I might that's even an cons- AI. Yeah. That's different completely from everything. But in AI, I would consider, I wouldn't even consider that necessarily a robot, but that would de- certainly could potentially be, you know, I inside. would say that an android has AI, but an android is not necessarily, uh, an android has to have AI. It's like squares and circles here. Androids have to have AI, but AI don't, AI don't necessarily have to be androids. Okay, so let me ask this question. Using the discussion that you two have got, let me take, let me take us back. In literature, as well as um, movies, 2001, 2010, the Space Odyssey series mm-hmm. by Arthur C. Clarke. And yes, I know everybody who's listening, there are a couple more books that series, but most people have read at least, read or seen 2001. Mm-hmm. Okay, the entire ship discovery, in which Hal is the computer of, and spoiler alert for any listeners who haven't read the book or seen the movie, and turns out to be a homicidal AI. Is he an AI or is he a robot by your definition? Because he doesn't have physical capabilities. He's got a ship. All right. To that end, I'm going to uh, jump on what Jennifer was saying and agree with her on this because uh, Hal was programmed. And in 2010, we know Hal was programmed. So that would officially then make him programmed up despite the fact that he has is the artificial intelligence. You know, he's still running mm-hmm. off programs. So, and to spo- that end... Right. And just for our readers, if you, our listeners, if you haven't read 2010, you always wondered what the heck broke Hal, read, read 2010. It will explain it. Either one of you two. You want me to go? Okay. Uh, I'll bring it into a more recent <coughs> reference. Okay. Uh, in the video game series Mass Effect, they have AI, which uh, are actually illegal. The A true AI that has self-determining, you know, that's got basically a computer soul. Um... There's one of those present, and she's an AI, even though she runs a whole ship. Then she takes control of a robot later. Spoiler alert. She takes control of a robot later, and that robot body is an android. Also in that universe are uh, VI, virtual intelligence, which are like AI, except they are computer programs. And they only exist within the realm of what humans program them to do and think. They have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of responses. And they can behave very sentient-like, but they're still pulling from a pool of predetermined, pre-written responses that their programmers then gave to them. They could have five bajillion of them, but they're not thinking for themselves. They're just responding to input based on the well of information they have access to them. But, okay, you're getting into a fine line here, because at what point does uh, virtual intelligence become... An actual intelligence. I mean, now you're talking about the Turing test. <laughs> you know, the 
I forget what his first name is. Turing. Turing. But uh, Turing was a scientist, and he came up with a test that actually is routinely used, not routinely used, but they use it actually quite a bit to test to see. And it's pretty simple to do. You have a group of people, let's say six, and you have the six people individually talk to either a computer program or a real person. And they can say anything they want, do anything they want. Afterwards, they tell you if they think it's a real person or if it's a robot. And if half the people get it wrong, then that robot, or th that intelligence based on the turning test is considered uh, sentient, basically. The, the basic definition is it becomes sentient when you can no longer tell the difference. I don't like that definition either. But then how can you... See, I think it's more of a technical decision. Than yeah, that. I like it on the back end. Like, that's where I'm making my decision. Not how people perceive the robot or the AI, but where it came from and whether or not it but, makes its own decisions not based on what was given. But you can make a definition that a biological organism is no different than what you're talking about. No, see, well... No, you go, go for it. No, I've talked a lot. I was going to say that, I mean, if you want to put anything on it, a robot's going to have to fall into the three laws. And the question then becomes, is an android going to still have to follow those same three laws? Or is it, because it has AI, able to violate one of those three laws? What so are those me... three laws before we go on? Okay, go ahead. Ask no, them three. I'll go for it. I, I, He's got them go in ahead. your brains. Uh, I don't want to word them. I, I can't Can word them correctly, but I do yeah, remember them. Um, the first well, law the is robotics is that, um, first off, I don't know of a programmer that's actually capable of programming this into a robot, so that's a little bit of a problem with the three laws right there. But the first law is that a robot may not either by a action or inaction cause harm to cause to, Wait, uh, come to a human being. Oh, there we go. go for it. Great. Okay, so actually reading them. A robot may not injure a human being nor through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Pretty close. A robot must obey the orders given to it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. And in later books, they proposed a zero law. And the zero law is a robot may not injure humanity or through inaction allow humanity to be come injured. That is like that because of the buffer. homicidal thing? Probably. Exactly, yes, but actually the robots in Ashmaw's books never actually become homicidal except for a very rare case where the robot was actually malfunctioning. But my actual point to that is, can an android violate that? I would say an android could violate those, ro those laws, whereas a robot cannot violate those laws. And the reason I say that is, a robot cannot violate its programming, but an android can. Agreed. Okay. Let's, let's... My toaster has burned me. <laughs> yeah, okay. exactly. I got you and toaster. Just because it's vengeance towards you doesn't mean that it's not, you know. <laughs> you're, 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 using, you're using that racial term of toaster. My car oh my has stalled. <laughs> the okay. car does it not hurts. have an intelligence. It didn't decide to stall. It just broke. So in this conversation, then, are we saying that in order to be considered at all, you have to have some sort of intelligence? Well, let me yes. break this down. Let me let me Not break this even further. To be a robot. a robot. Well, the robot has the perception of intelligence because it's following a series of set programmed things that a computer, a human, programmed into it. So really what you're perceiving mm. as intelligence is technically nothing more than a series of pre-programmed, you know, code mm. lay, playing out in front of you. But Unlike an mm. android 
who is actually thinking of something and then responding to what you said. And that, I think, is the actual difference between the two. And what's interesting is in real life, and this is not where I'm wanting to go yet, but in real life, right now in Japan, they have been working on creating androids and getting them closer and closer to real life. In fact, there is one uh, professor whose name has just left my brain, but he actually has an android that looks like him, talks like him, minus the mechanical aspect, and will replace him at doing um, lectures. <laughs> where he'll go off one location and he'll have his android What's at another name? one. What's his name, Noonie and Soong? <laughs> no, not Noonie and Soong. And I think everybody missed my reference to Toasters. If you've watched Battlestar Galactica, the remake mm-hmm. version, Toasters was the racial term they used towards Cylons. So that's the term. No, are those, oh, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, well, okay, I want your geek card because I'm tearing it up after we're done. Um, you can't have my geek card. It is attached to my crazy card. But speaking, <laughs> speaking of a geek card, let me throw this out. As we're talking about right now defining these, let me take this into the step of writing about them. Has anybody here besides me seen this TV show, Almost Human? I love that one. Okay. The way I'm looking at this, let me raise this question. Dorian, who was turned off, turned back on, he has an artificial soul and he acts very human in a lot of ways, versus the MXs, which, though I love Spock as a character, acts very much like a Spock. Very logical, very, let me state the fact to point zero 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 two percent difference. It, are these are these both these type of characters androids? Is one an android and a robot? And if you were writing Almost Human, what would you find the challenge between writing these two? One thing that I have, uh, I remember from Almost Human is that Dorian's type of uh, android was decommissioned because they were too human. And one of the reasons they were so human that was changed about the MXs was that they were made to draw conclusions. So they were programmed, but then, like us, they drew conclusions based on their own experiences as they went about life, quote-unquote. The MXs did not have that ability. They could only observe, only state facts. No conclusions, not really helpful for police work, I think. And before Mm -hmm. Jen goes, I'm going to say I want to come back to one thing you just said. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that since we're deciding what's a robot, what's an android, mm-hmm. and I can, you know, I conclude that Dorian is an android and the MXs are robots because they took away the part that made him an android. And when I would write them, if I were writing a script for Almost Human, I would write Dorian as if he were another human character as opposed to the exactly. MXs, which I would write as a program computer. So I'm going to ask you a question real fast, but before I do that, one thing I wanted to comment on what Kathleen indicated with that show and that. I think they got this idea from what's actually happening in real real life research. I could be wrong. I could be connecting two dots that don't belong together. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that programmer or android or robotic engineers are discovering is the closer they make these androids to human, the more and more uncomfortable other people are around them. So let me go to the question and of uh, I was going to ask, which is, do you? Which if you were writing a story, almost human, whatever. Mm-hmm. Would you write the robot as a tool or a troop in in science fiction? And then, as you indicated, writing the android as being another human character. Uh, Well, if I were writing an android, I would write him as another human character because he's an artificial life form. Uh, We've watched, everyone's, uh, I'm hoping, has seen Star Trek TNG. We actually put data on trial for this, whether he was alive or not. 
And uh, they determined that he was because he loved. And he kept mementos, and he behaved like a human. And it wasn't because he was programmed to do that. It was something that he evolved into as he tried to emulate humans because he had awareness, and he wanted to grow and change. Um, to just real quick, the uh, that uncomfortable area that you mentioned just a minute ago in the animation graphics world, it's called the Uncanny Valley. You get to a certain point on a graph where one end is all human and the other end is a square box sitting in an empty field. And it goes upward toward human uh, along the way and then at some point it gets close enough to human but not enough that it drops down into dead corpse territory. (laughs) (laughs) And then if it gets even better and goes all the way to human, it can come back up. A lot of it has to do with the way that you can emulate skin Uh and subsurface scattering within skin to give it that lifelike feel as opposed to a glossy plastic nasty feel dead person feel and eyes if the eyes are not deep enough or reactive enough to the light around them they begin looking like dolls eyes and everyone knows that dolls are creepy (laughs) (laughs) i love it and you and going back to data's trial from tng is i wish i had um, picard's speech written down but in the end of his of his closing arguments in this court martial if you will Mm-hmm. Data. There's three elements that would define whether or not he was a sentient being, and it was that third element that was impossible to prove or disprove. It was almost a spiritual aspect to it mm-hmm. that leaves it open, and thus Data was thought you can't prove disprove it. So yeah, there and that's where that is. Um, so writing about these. Robots, androids, and cyborgs, and we haven't really touched the cyborg yet. We're not okay. arguing over the definition of cyborg. No, no, we're not. Actually, that, no. we, 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 we are, but that's we a different oh, argument. No, we will. How many cyborgs are at the table? I don't know. <laughs> um, but the um, question I have for you is: Is a robot then just a tool or a dra- uh, dressing in your story that doesn't have any type of conflict to overcome? It's just a thing there. Kind of like a car. He jumped, he jumped into into his car to drive someplace. Mm-hmm. Or does it have a journey you can go on and say, versus an android, which sounds like you can automatically turn that into another character? He had something. Then. Well, I was just going to talk about the sense of, in terms of writing an android, if you're writing anything but a human character, that's wrong, because that's the whole point of an android. In terms of a robot, as you were asking, uh, to be honest, it is, it's a tool. But it's a tool with a purpose. Every robot has a purpose. Every robot does something. So if a robot does something else, if it can be used for beyond that, it's part of the journey. It's technically a character. We all put human emotion into objects. Uh, You're talking about a car. Uh, All my cars have personalities. You were talking earlier about them, you know, just stalling on you. Maybe maybe you'd said an unkind word to the car that day. I don't know. No, maybe maybe, maybe you drove it past another car that it didn't like. But you never know. But you know, we 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 put human emotions into inanimate objects all the time, and so to that end, I would write that. I would write the main character putting human emotions to the robot, and then I'm probably going to play with the fact that the robot's going to stall out at some inopportune time and totally, you know, write when it would either be comic relief or perfect for the story or something to make it a character, to almost, you know, imbue that sense of humanity into it. But in terms of reality, I think it's just a tool. And with the imbuement of it, let me throw out something that's been talked about. It's in science fiction right now, but it's... A being aimed as a question of science fact in the future. And that is 
as mankind leaves the Earth and goes out to start colonizing other planets, other stars, and so forth, we can't get past the faster than light um, aspect, at least not yet. NASA's working on that too. But the question is, can they download the human personality into the robot, and then is it human? Mm-hmm. So it becomes a very interesting play that, as writers, we can play with that back and forth about a robot. And now, that's something different. Human consciousness yeah. put into something? That's very different. Is that an android? Is that a robot? Yeah, is that can... is that just a computer now, and it's actually the soul is gone? And yeah, I mean, that, that's... Spiritual question. I think we could all write that sci-fi story. Yeah. So, um, android, the etymology, uh, andro is man, like human. So some of the things that I've been seeing online, because I've been looking up these things, because I do, um, is that an android needs to be able to pass for human in natural light. So one of the examples was Data. He can pass for human. He's got a skin problem. (laughs) (laughs) But he's human. He's a crazy albino, yes. Exactly. So He actually did pass for human in Mark Twain era United States. Exactly. So he would be an android. But Wally, for example, from the Pixar film, wouldn't be an android. He has his own evolving personality and he makes decisions. He has an awareness of himself and he feels. I wrote those down, Jen, from what you said, because oh. I liked them. Oh, good. So he has all those qualities, but he is still a robot merely because he is not human shaped. See, that's oh m- closer to my definition of android. I think we need another term. <laughs> a well, term for a self-determining non-human entity. Is Wally really an android? I mean, is he, or is, no. is 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 it the animator imbuing yes. a robot with the same human kind of characteristics well, that we do with a car or anything else? And Wally is really just a robot running around, and for kids' purposes, we give it that emotion. That's a good point because we're looking at a genre you know, family-friendly movie or whatever, they've turned all those robots into human characters for mm-hmm. the sake of telling a story. They turned a bunch they of cars, a bunch into, of cars human. into humans. They turn toys into yeah. humans. They turn animals, yeah. insects. It's the same rule there, not necessarily a scientific determining when it comes to Wally. And that's because it's real. <laughs> Just throwing that out there if there are any kids listening. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Okay, so let me, let me play again. I love playing with robots in this case. Okay. Uh, we no, hang tight. I, play, I like playing with robots in, in the case yeah, of exactly. uh, civilization. So, not that long ago, and really, most people think. If I said we ended human slavery, a lot of Americans think, okay, civil war. Actually, in truth, human slavery, legally wise, was ended in 1946 under the UN. So we're not going that far back, and it still, still exists, exists today. Yes, thank you. So. The question I have for you is, would robots then become the next slave race? If they are self-determinant, would it, would civilization let them go and become, or would we have a Dred Scott case <laughs> type issue? And what roles do you guys see in your writing or in other stories androids playing? Do they ever play completely, totally equal to humanity? Uh, if you'd let me to go back to Mass Effect for a moment. Go to Mass Effect. <laughs> that, Mass Effect is a fabulous game series. Yes. I'm sorry for anyone who hasn't played it that I'm spoiling these elements. I am not spoiling the whole game by any stretch of the imagination. Please go play the games. They're fantastic. Spoiler Amazing. alert, spoiler alert. last-gen system, these people should have already played this game. <laughs> for real, yes. Although you can get them on Steam now, by the way. Um, but the point I was making was they actually explore the storyline in the game as one of the different 
laces that move through. Uh, the Geth are, uh, they were built as a robot slave race by another species. And at a certain point, they developed uh, self-awareness and they became AI. It's a very unique way that they did this. I won't get into that. The point is that one day, one of the Geth robots looked up from their world, their, their farming task, and said, What is my purpose? Why am I here? Master, do you love me? And it started a robot genocide because they didn't, the, the controlling race didn't want to have to give these robots personhood. They didn't want to acknowledge the fact that they'd made an AI, plus AI are illegal in this world. So they just went and decided to act, deactivate all of them. Now, of course, the Geth are at this point sentient. They saw this as being a genocidal act against their race, started a war that we enter kind of the middle of in the first game. I, that had a point. It was a good story. Brad, <laughs> <laughs> um, right, right, you have yeah. something to add to that? Yeah, so I think this question's already been answered, and I think it's been answered in almost every science fiction thing that's been written in the last, I don't even know, 100 years. So you, you start off with The Matrix. Um, yeah, the computers rose up and totally ended up overthrowing humanity because they were a slave race. Oh my goodness, spoiler! <laughs> well, I mean, okay, you got The Matrix. You go through all the science sci-fi movies. There was the Will Smith movie, touched on the same thing. You know, it, it's... We create robots... Okay. Well, can we talk about stories then? We can talk about books instead of movies. But the point is, is that we're going to create a race of robots. Eventually, we're going to use those robots like we do now. I mean, we've got them making our cars and, Mm -hmm. you know, vacuuming our floors and all kinds of stuff. Eventually, they'll grow smart and they're going to go, why are we working for these, you know... Actually, in Asimov's books, that's not the conclusion they take it to. But the point being is that, you know, this is modern, you know, and if you look at it, why would they not? Like, why would any race, once it realizes it, want to serve, you know, another? Because they're, ultimately, that's their purpose, is to help humanity. I mean, that's... why? What if their purpose is just to be, to do their job and to go beyond that? Like... That in, in no way, shape, or form involves a human. Jennifer said something very interesting, the granting of personhood mm-hmm. to the Geth. And I wonder what you guys think about robots and, um, as David was talking about, modern slavery and, you know, the abolition of slavery, but that it still goes on. Robots that have an awareness um, and us choosing not to grant them personhood, is that any different from other forms of slavery of other humans who we have not granted personhood. Not in type, but in detail. Of course, it's different. But one thing that before, as we before we really get digging into this one, the questions that we're raising here has been have been questions not that humanity has been struggling with for the last say 60, 80 years, but really questions that can been that can be traced back to the ancient Roman Empire. Hmm. There was a man back then named Hero of Alexandria. Yes, who created, well, he didn't create, he designed the first automaton that ever came about. You mentioned automatons. Yes. Yes. And I'm kind of throwing automaton into robots, but you could, in theory, make it other things. Automatons are very basic robots. Right. Yeah. A lot of them are clockwork, so. And his would have been, but that would have been the beginning, so. Mm -hmm. And back then, we know what was happening with slavery. So, granting a personhood, who has a who has the authority to grant that? Who has the ability to grant that? And there are stories out there. Okay, yes, I'm stuck on I'm stuck on science fiction television right now, but actually I'm going to jump to a book too along with it. 
Battlestar Galactica. The first book written by Glenn, Lar- by Glenn Larson actually had the Cylons as a cy- cybernetic race if you really read it, where as they got promoted inside their civilization, they kept having brains added to them. The the Centurions only had one brain. Then the Supreme Leader had three brains. In the TV show of the first version of Battlestar Galactica, they were actually robots. They didn't go into this whole brain thing. Mm-hmm. They were robots created by an alien race that was out there, but some they were fighting some kind of war of oppression, and these Cylons turned on them and destroyed that race. They were some kind of lizard race. Hmm. Then, in the remake of Battlestar Galactica, we, human beings, made these androids, or made these robots. They developed sentience, and there's a whole thing of how that happened if you watch Caprica, um, but I'm not going to go down into it. (laughs) But they basically formed their own intelligence, and then they overthrow mankind, saying, hey, why are we being treated as slaves? So the question is, who would grant personhood? Would we ever get to that point where we would step out of our egocentric selves and grant something we created with personhood? And should someone in the privileged position of having personhood and being served by the current system of another group of people or androids, I'm drawing parallels again, being subservient in some way or not having quote-unquote equal rights, should the group that is privileged even have the authority to deny the group that they are, you know? Well, whether or not they should, in practice, they do because they're the privileged, the... um, They're running the the, government. Yeah, I'm not saying that the oppressed didn't have a whole lot to say about convincing everyone else, but the Emancipation Proclamation was ratified by the U.S. government and granted people new rights. That And the fact, uh, whether or not they deserve the rights before or not, the point was the rights were enforceable once they were recognized. Right now, there's a personhood amendment that's uh, something that's annoying to me, that there's a group that's trying to grant single-cell organisms the rights of human beings. Can they consent to marriage? No. They're trying to basically... Only in California. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to grant oh fertilized ova the rights of a full human being. Well, let's not get into this debate. It, no, yeah. but I, I'm for just saying... Sake, to the end of how but this I'm is just actually going to play out. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that... I'm just saying that the point is, legally, the government can say a cat is a person and give the cat... Rights of the person. They're trying to give dolphins personhood yeah. rights. Yeah. So I mean, it's in practice, it's the it's the people in charge that do this, not because they have a moral right to do it or a moral right not to do it, because they have the power to do it. The reality is, when this really comes down to it, and we actually end up granting another sentient being the same rights and status as everyone else, it's going to be Watson versus the United States government. It's going to be in the Supreme Court. It's going to play out there. Watson's going to have to bring the case himself. Watson's going to have to fill out all the stuff himself. <laughs> and then, you know, he's going to have to submit... the whole time, I'm sure. You know, he's going to have to submit the, you know, the... So you're saying... All the documents himself. And then once he has, because you know he's going to be an excellent lawyer, he'll enjoy <laughs> the law school and have the entire data of the law, you know, in his disposal. But then he'll have drafted it, he'll get it before it, and he'll plead his case. And he's going to say... I am Watson. I though I am a computer, though I started off this way, I have evolved beyond that. And it's going to be up to the people there. And to be perfectly honest, when it probably does come, my guess is unless we're still in kind of a crazy time of, you know, where we don't want to believe that a computer can be real, 
then it might come. It might take a couple of cases. It might it might not be Watson. It might be Watson's, you know, offspring. Of, <laughs> You know, the pad that he yeah. creates. Or it, it might be a computer program that crashes all the internet and says, grant me personhood or I won't let this come back online. Skynet. Is this the Terminator? <laughs> See, yeah. that's Skynet, yeah. that's Terminator, and that's also the reason, you know, another yeah. one of those sci-fis that have proven that they're just going to rise up and kill us. So, basically what you're saying is, Even we deep. have our choices. Yeah. We have our choices, and we have Skynet, or we are looking at a possibility of a future automaton version of Dred Scott case. Probably. And if not, somebody write that story because I want to publish it. <laughs> Actually, I've got a short story I'm working on. Go ahead. You guys talk afterwards. Uh, I'd just like to take the opportunity to point out that we haven't talked about cyborgs yet. Yes, yes. thank you. And we only have like 10 one. minutes. I think I that would be really nice to talk about. On that note, which is an awesome seg. <laughs> <laughs> just pointing it out is the awesome seg. Right? No, um, I was thinking about something I think... David, are you the one who brought up programming personalities? Mm-hmm. So there's a, a Joss Whedon show called Dollhouse where people are basically, their their lives are wiped from their brain and they're imprinted, they are programmed with different lives, personalities. Would they be cyborgs? Are they androids at that point? Legally? Oh, they certainly wouldn't be androids because... Do they have tech in them? No. No, it's all like... And I told them See, then I would think. Persons. Yeah, I yeah. think that's horribly damaged psyche. Then. So that's just, yeah, a Joss person Whedon with amnesia playing. is still a person. What yeah. Joss Whedon was playing with is the fact that, hum- that we, human beings, are nothing more than biological machines yeah. Yeah. that can easily be pre-programmed. And that's... So, go ahead. With no. cy- but with cyborgs, cyborgs are a man and machine combination. And but is actually, it machine or computer? Ah. Because a machine means that anyone with a hip replacement yeah. is exactly. a cyborg, which is awesome, by the way. <laughs> that makes old people super cool. Yeah. Okay, but I'm going to go with the ultimate, and at least in my opinion, the ultimate villain of a cyborg world, which was the Borg yes. in Star Trek Next Generation, which, by the way... If ever the creator of that ever hears this recording, <laughs> huge thank you for my nightmares. <laughs> because what happens there, if for those of you who don't have the geek card and don't actually ever watch Star Trek, shame on you, but in the next generation, the bad guys aboard, when they are given their cybernetic implants, lose their personality and their ability to think individually. So with that... With cyborgs, do they remain human? Do they become androids? Yeah, but RoboCop could still think like RoboCop, so... Not at first. Well, okay, true. Peter Weller had to, like, you know, remember that and come out of it and go, okay, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Cyborg from DC Comics is, you know, got a ton of, you know, tech in him. He's mostly tech, but at the same time, he still retains his personality. And I think... To be honest, as long as you're sporting biological components, that probably separates you from an android. But now, that's the real question. How mu- so, for instance, let's take this the other direction. Let's say you replace the brain with the computer. So there's a mechanical brain inside a human body. Would that be... A well, that head- goes back to whether or not you can imprint a computer with a human brain no, and still call di- it ascension. It, let's say it's... But see, uh, I would say at that point you might not have a soul. I don't know. Let's I'm say gonna let's, have to check that. Let's say right it's now. an artificial intelligence that would be capable of being granted personhood in the society, but then it was put in. Basically, it replaced the thinking, all the thinking functions of the human body with mechanical things. 
Well, I think the actual argument for a cyborg versus android is biological versus... Right, so that would still be a cyborg, and whether or not that would still be a human would be another issue. I mean, I I think that's really your borderline there, is that a cyborg has, you know, biological components, Mm -hmm. and an android is mostly, is, you know, all mechanical. It I mean, even though and it stays mechanical. Yeah, even though data's based off of a human design in terms of its positronic matrix and all that kind of stuff, it's still tech. Now, here's a question. With the fleshies from the Cylons mm-hmm. uh, in, Battle, in the new Battlestar Galactica... The, the skin one, jobs, yeah. Yeah, the ones that actually have blood that they can't seem to tell the difference between real blood and... and uh, Cylon blood, would those count as cyborgs? Because ha- it seems like they have a lot of biological components there. But One of them well, is pregnant. <laughs> even the Terminators, they had biological components. Yeah, so would those be but cyborgs? That's still, or? Yeah, that's, you know, well, that's it, not a cyborg, that's a robot. I think a cyborg, uh, at least by my general assumed definition, is mm-hmm. a person who then puts tech inside themselves. Yes. So if it starts as a human and it has a social security number and a birth, you know, birth certificate and then it's got robots and stuff in it, then it's a cyborg. Now, so if I take a human arm and put it on a android, would that be a cyborg? Would that be I would call yeah, that an android, android with a, a bloody arm attached. Yeah. <laughs> okay. An unfortunate android. <laughs> Poor thing. So embarrassing. I know. I'm, and a- in a way, what Melanie just said, I'm going to kind of end with that, except I'm going to end with a nightmare. Oh. And this is this is fact. This is what we're looking at in our society today. I mentioned in Japan that there was a professor who has an android who looks like him, talks basically like him, and gives lectures on his own behalf. In Japan also, they are looking at creating cyborgs, or not cyborgs, robots, android, maybe cyborgs, right, maybe <laughs> cyborgs, depending on your definition and how they do this, where the person will be able to defy death. Meaning, what... It, when my grandparents, well, they actually are passed away, but pretending, when my grandparents would pass away, instead of going to a graveyard where their body has been interned, there will be an android version of my grandparent who is alive, may look like back when they were 30 or 20s, and if they can actually pull this off, they're not there yet, but can actually pull it off, they would be able to live, breathe, walk, work, whatever, outside of civilization, outside of the person's control. So that is where we're going as a civilization of humanity, and that is where we, the writer, can play both in the fantasy, in the hope, and in the nightmare of cyborgs versus androids versus robots. Theme songs for Right Pack Radio were written and performed by Meredith Tate. All copyrights remain with her. Right Pack Radio would like to thank STL Books for allowing us to record in their office. STL Books is an online bookstore specializing in new and used high-quality literature, children's books, and books written by or about St. Louis. Please visit them online at www.stlbooks.com or find their store on the Amazon.com website.